Hello, my dear brothers and sisters from Subang Jaya Assembly. Thank you, Pastor Francis, Pastor Yiming, for this invitation to minister in your online service. Today, I would like to invite you to turn to your Bibles right now to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, and reading from verses 14 to 16. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Shall we pray together? Lord, we thank you for worship through your word and I ask Holy Spirit for your anointing upon the preaching and the listening to your words that your words indeed will be the lamp to our feet, the light to our path, bringing direction, guidance, and even healing to all of our body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen. The title of the message is Letting His Light Shine. Let me begin with a pertinent question that I believe all of us should ask ourselves. The question is, could the church have unknowingly closed and walled ourselves in and spending more time in programs and services to keep the people rather than reaching out to more people? I pray that even as you look at this in the PowerPoint, that we will ask ourselves individually as well as collectively as a church. And this can be true to many churches across the globe because if this is the situation like the Bible described, then the church is like what the scripture has described, that that lamb is simply put under a basket. Thomas Rayner, who is an American researcher, he said this, Most churches are busy with activities, programs, and ministries. Few churches are actually intentionally or actively engaging with the outside community. He made a very convicting statement. And he said, The Great Commission has fast become the great omission. I pray that even as we evaluate, that God will help us, that we will be faithful to His great commission. And one of the things that we are going to learn and that we ourselves are learning in order to avoid being a wall-up church is to intentionally and actively engage with the community and especially at such a time like this during the pandemic that there is darkness all over and that by God's enablement, we will be able to shine the light of Jesus to them. Allow me to just share with you what the Lord has taught us over the many years 
of doing the different community services through this two-minute video that I'd like to invite you to view even right now. Yes, praise the Lord for the different ministries that the Lord has enabled us to start. What you have seen just now, uh, nine different ministries from Dialysis Center to Rumah Sangan, a children's home, to Safe Ministry, which is a ministry right in Chinatown to help those uh, women who were being exploited. Carrie's Golden Years, our Carrie's Hope Learning Center to help those uh, refugee children, Kids Kingdom, which is a Sunday school among the community, our Orang Asli Outreach medical clinics that we do to the community, as well as the different community helps that we are rendering. My brothers and sisters, in order for us that we will be able to let the light of Jesus shine out and that we will avoid being a wall-up community, there are a few action steps that we can take in becoming the light that will shine, as the Scripture has taught us. Action steps that will also unlock the people's resistance, their heart's resistance and hesitancy towards the Gospel. Let me share with you three principles or action steps that we are taking that help us to intentionally be the light that will shine. The first principle is serve the community. Serve the community because it will help to redefine 
the perception of people towards Christianity. Now, what do I mean by this? Let me pose a question. My friends, what kind of perception does the general public has upon Christianity or the church? What would be their response when you go out and speak to perhaps a stranger? Most likely, their perception towards us is that Christianity is just another religion, another good group of people who are trying to be kind, who are trying to be good. Now, when you approach someone to share, I have good news for you. What would be their response? Most likely, again, people's heart may be saying, thanks, but no thanks. They may say it or they may not say it. Don't bother me. You believe in yours and I believe in mine. Isn't it true? So therefore, unless something is being done, there will always be a gap. There will always be a wall between the church and the community. Now, what can be done in order that we will bridge the gap in order that we will demolish the wall. This is what we have learned. As the scripture says in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine before others that they may see your goodness and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, applying this scripture literally, we just find ways to be a blessing to the community around us, even without preaching to them first. And we notice that something in their heart is unlocked and their perception of Christianity actually changes when they are able to see the love of God in action. Let me share with you a testimony. Look at this photograph that you are seeing right now. This is a photograph of a man, a gentleman. Guess how old he is? He's about 90 years old. And he went through water baptism. Now, there is a story behind this old gentleman. You see, we have been doing medical clinics, as you have seen in the video just now. We have adopted a community which we regarded as those who are belonging to the poorer community in the government flats. And so we adopted that community which has about 40,000 households. So we go there every Saturday and we set up a free medical clinic from 9am to about 1pm and it is free. People come, not only are they attended by the doctors, but they also get free medication. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that whenever they come, they have to give us their IC, their contact number, as even when you go to an ordinary clinic, that is the protocol. So because of those records, what we did is that we were able to go visitation. And we take a very strategic you know, way of going there. After they have come to the clinic and the following week, there is a visitation team and we knock on the door and we say, Mr. So-and-so, we are from the clinic and we just want to ask, how are you doing? Sincerely from our heart. And they're very happy. 
And some of them even said and remarked, wow, you all do even house calls. And that is how we follow up and engage with the community. So coming back to that old gentleman whom I call Uncle Liu, here was this elderly man who was staying with his wife. And when we went to the house or to the apartment, small apartment, we realized that this elderly couple were very, very much in a needy condition physically as well as also looking at the surrounding. Because of their age, they were not able to even take proper care of the cleanliness of the house. So what we did was that my young uh, people's group organized a gotong royong and literally went to clean up the house, throwing away many rubbish. But what is even more important is that our doctors, after the clinic, went over to attempt to them further because this couple has been suffering from severe arthritis, especially the wife, who was even unable to walk and lying on the floor, cement floor, because she could not lie even on any soft materials because any soft materials would aggravate the pain. So our doctors went over there and even did physiotherapy. And we went there faithfully. Now, one thing about Uncle Liu is this, that when we initially paid that visit, he'll always have a disclaimer. He'll always say, I'm not into religion, I have my gods. He said in Cantonese, So that was his, what you call disclaimer, every time we go. But it doesn't matter to us because we love them with the love of God. And to cut a long story short, because of our love towards this couple, weeks, months, slowly it opened the heart, particularly the wife, whose condition was deteriorating. And one day, to our surprise, she even told the husband and said, when I pass away, I want this group to perform my funeral the Christian way. And that was her way of wanting to acknowledge Jesus Christ as her saviour. And indeed so, when the Lord took her home, we had to organize the funeral in that little community hall where many of our brothers and sisters turned up. And that in itself was a testimony because the neighbors who know them realized that they don't have many relatives. But when she passed away, there's so many people who turn up and some even remark, who are you? You have so many relatives. Even the Indians are there, the Chinese are there. These are church members. And because of this, that husband, Uncle Liu, who was very hard in his heart to always say, I am not into religion. I have my gods. He himself, after the whole episode, he opened his heart and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Hallelujah! Praise be to God. And my brothers and sisters, when we begin to serve them without strings attached, it changes their perception because the perception has always been that Christianity is a Western religion, Christianity is this and that, but it is only by sincere love that these walls can be removed. My dear friends, people may not read the Bible, but they will read our lives. That's true. People don't care how much you know, but they will know how much you care. Isn't it true? 
these two very important statements should help us that even at such a time like this during the pandemic, it is not how much knowledge that people appreciate. It is how much care that we are able to render to them by God's wisdom with creative ways that we are able to tend to them. I can tell you that it will help them to change their perception and by the grace of God, their hearts will be softened towards the gospel. So how do we let our light shine? Serve the community with the love of God. It will change their perception. The second truth that we have learned that I'd like to share with you today is to understand what I call the concept of pastoring the community or the concept of pastoring the city. Again, what do I mean by this? This statement was heard first time when I was in a seminar conducted by Dr. Ed Silwalso. Some of you would have named his name, would have uh, you know, heard his name before. Dr. Ed is very much into community transformation. And uh, he loves to even go to various places to identify what God is doing. And one day in his uh, city or community transformation conference, uh, uh, someone asked him this, this, this question. He said, uh, Pastor Ed, uh, how, how big is your church? And uh, his reply was this. My church is about 400,000 people, but about 1,500 of them gather weekly for worship. So people, when they heard this statement, they were a little bit, you know, confused and they were wanting him to, to explain further. And he began to explain that as far as he is concerned, and he believes that all of us should also see it that way, that we are not only pastoring the people who comes to our worship service. Where God has put you, you in Subang Jaya, us in Choras, that is the place where you are supposed to pastor. That is the place where you will exercise your care and concern. So our perspective is not just about people who accepted the Lord who comes, but rather it is the church responsibility to be able to see the community, the city that God has placed us in, to be the responsibility of ours to provide pastoral care. It is like what John Wesley has said many years ago. He said this very wonderful statement, The world is my parish. The world is my parish. And what he meant is that, again, he doesn't look at that cluster of people. He looked at the world, as the field where God has entrusted him with the responsibility of sharing the gospel. And I believe that this was the perspective of Jesus when he made that statement in John chapter 10, verse 16. Let me read to you. Jesus said this, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Now, meditate upon this scripture for a while. What, what did Jesus mean when he said that? And I believe with all my heart 
that what Jesus meant was that he not was looking at those sheep that were already in that sheep pen. He's looking at the others who are outside there, who are not being brought in to the community, which is the sheep pen. You see, our paradigm is that we must see beyond the four walls. So, my dear friends, the question is, how does this work in our context today? Now, as far as in applying it to myself, and I often even reminded our whole congregation that I look not only at my pastoring, pastoring responsibility towards my church congregation, I pastor my community. When I'm out there here in Churras and I look at needs, I become conscious and sensitive in the marketplace, on the streets, by the sidewalks. What are the needs that are out there? What can I do to help? That, my friends, is pastoring. Let me give you an example where we came across a young boy who was living under the highway bridge. You know, the highway, there's this kind of a, a kind of a, a empty space where people take shelter. And this young boy was there making that as his home, about 10 years old. And he was staying with the uncle. And how did they get by was some cardboards. And this uncle, in order to fend for himself, was selling some tidbits, cigarettes, so that those motorbikes who pass by will buy from him. And that was how both of them were surviving. Parents, we do not even know where, you know, this uncle took over the responsibility. And we were informed, you know, of this case, which is very near to us in our community. So our team went over there, and upon hearing their plight and all that, quickly we also informed the welfare department and said that we're going to take him in into our rumah sangan, our children's home. And we managed to get all the papers signed with the consent of the uncle, of course, and brought the 10-year-old boy to our home so that he will have a proper shelter and that he will able to, you know, go for proper education, whereas the uncle was transferred to another centre. And so this boy grew up in our home, able to go through his education, able to finish his studies, and able to go back and to be reunited with his next of kin. My friends, that is what I mean by pastoring the community. And I would like to encourage you that this is not only the responsibility of your pastors or your full-time workers, but every one of you, you are called upon to be the hands, the legs, the eyes of Jesus. Pastoring the community, don't be intimidated by the word pastoring. It is not the, the office or the title of the pastor that I'm talking about. It is the function of pastoring that every one of you can be engaged in, that you can be the hands and legs, the eyes, that you can work alongside with your pastors, that as you go out there, the community, some of you see or are probably knowledgeable of some who became single mothers, who became widows, who became orphans, who maybe, you know, are right now, 
suffering from, from the pandemic and as a result lost their job. And that's how you bring back the information together with your church leaders and see how you can go out there and minister to them, touching them with the light of Jesus. My dear friends, this is what it means, pastoring the community. And I can tell you that if each and every one of us were to take upon this responsibility and working in partnership with your church and giving our resources, whether it be our time, our talent, and even our financial resources, my dear friends, that is how we will be able to fulfill the Great Commission. That is how we'll be able to touch the people in very tangible ways with the love of God. You see, my dear friends, the church does not exist for the sake of the church. It exists for the sake of the world. That's right. That is why for us to avoid being a wall-up elite community, singing among ourselves and enjoying the fellowship, let us be very intentional, my dear brothers and sisters, particularly, as I said, I emphasize again, at such a dark time like this, I believe it will be the brightest moment for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and to do the deeds in an impactful manner that will be able to bring these souls into the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 13-14 you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Amen. This becomes very relevant to us. So, dear friends, bringing the church out is what the church should be all about. It is what I call discipleship in action. Discipleship is not only about attending classes. Discipleship will find is leaks when we go out there and put the truth that we have learned into action. And as a matter of fact, it hastens the process of spiritual growth and maturity. Trust me, it really it will enhance your spiritual growth and maturity far beyond just a classroom setting. It is the exercise that the church will need in order to maintain uh, balance health. I pray that the Lord will help us, that we will learn this concept so that we will then become the light that will shine. And then finally, this truth concept about doing the message precedes telling the message. What do I mean by this? You see, most of us here, how did we come to know Jesus Christ. Most likely, I would say, it's because we were witnessed to by either close friends or relatives, isn't it? Yeah, for myself. Likewise, it was because of my college mates who witnessed to me and slowly by their love led me to the salvation knowledge. But let's pose a question. What about those who are not witnessed to as yet? and who may not have close friends and relatives who are Christians. You see, how do we reach out to them? In the past, we used to do what we call door-to-door -door evangelism. You still remember those days? They say, Hello, uncle, auntie, are you around? You know, can you give me a moment? I have good news to share with you. Now, a long time ago, probably some 
of the people will open the door. But honestly speaking, today, in the society that we are living in, people will not open the door. They will even tighten the door. Or if ever they will open the door, it is to let their dogs out and barking at us. Isn't it true? So, for far too long, my brothers and sisters, we have been depending upon various methods. We have been depending on what I term as traditional evangelism. What is traditional evangelism? Traditional evangelism equals telling the message plus a call for response. Now, what do I mean by this? You see, for all this while, what the church does is we organize evangelistic rallies. Isn't it true? Then, in the church, we invite people to come. This coming weekend, we are having a healing evangelist. Come, the Lord has a healing for you. So, on that faithful day, people come, evangelists preach a message, pray for healing, and then after that, call. How many of you would like to accept Jesus Christ? Put up your hand. Come forward. We're going to pray for you. God's peace is going to come upon you. That has been the method we've been using. It is not wrong. And we continue to do that. But the question is, this is possible, and this will be successful, provided that we can get the masses out there into our meeting place which, honestly speaking, many will be hesitant to step into a church. And if ever they step into a church, praise God, I think most of them are ready. But for the great majority, they may not be ready. The large percentage that is out there may not be ready. The question is, how do we therefore earn our right to share the gospel? How do we earn the right to be able to say, Yes, I have good news for you. And this is where doing the message comes about. Let me illustrate. As you have seen from the video again, you have seen how the Lord has graciously helped us to set up a dialysis center since 1997. That's right. And that in itself is a testimony that I may not have time to share. But again, zeroing down on what the dialysis center is all about. We have Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims. I would say 99%. All right? They come. We are operating about 20 machines and uh, our capacity is 100 over patients. And they come here three times a week and each time will be about three to four hours. Malaysia records statistically, we have more than about four to 5,000 people who will come down with kidney failure every year. And because of the lack of spaces in government hospital, that's why satellite centers started by NGO or even churches like us helps the government to take care of it. So we have this center right now, church compound. And people come here from Monday to Saturday. Public holidays inclusive. All right? So what happened is that we say our tagline is we want to just help without strings attached. There's no strings to say that you must be a believer or Christian first we accept. No. As long as they qualify coming from the lower income group, alright, with all the documents coming in and all that. So they're then admitted as patient. Now, what we did was we try our best using different live group members to reach out to them. And once, a, uh, uh, maybe two times or even three times a year, we bring them out for outing. We are Sunday. They do not need dialysis. So we organize, all right, outing for them. We hire 
I still remember four or five buses because there are so many, inclusive of nurses, and we also invite them to bring one family member along. And that touches their heart. We care for them. We go and visit them in their homes at times to see what is their need. And to cut the long story short, that because of this love of God, you know, one day I went into it, in, into the center. I go and often I, I, and visit them as often as I can. And one day this elderly auntie was there. I didn't even need to share with her the, the, the John 3.16 gospel. And one day she just said, Pastor, Pastor, Moksi, Moksi, like, how do I become a Christian? How do I join your church? I was so elated. And I know that why she came to such a decision because she, in her own observation, by the silent language of love, that has already caused her heart to be open. And therefore, we earn the right to share with them subsequently, this is how you can become a believer. And I tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, that this is how that we must do the message before even telling the message. Adopt a community. Look around you. Where are the needy people? Go there consistently. I believe very much that I would rather do this consistently than a touch and go kind of thing where I go there, put some food, and then I will never visit them again. But I prefer to adopt a community and to work among them consistently. And I can tell you by the grace of God, even in the community we have adopted, before I forget, by the grace of God, we did that consistently for four years. And you know what? My brothers and sisters, as a result, a church is planted there. Hallelujah. Yes, that we have a church right there and all the people are from that community. Praise be to God. Let me conclude by sharing with you this testimony of how this mother and her three children was among those whom we are ministering as a result of that clinic that I told you about. And from the, the, the contact, we went to visit and uh, we were very surprised to, to learn about the background of this, this single mother. Not really single mother because the, the husband is still around. But because of stress and, and, and mental health, he had to be admitted to the hospital right up north. And uh, as a result, she has to come back, you know, and stay with her mother, 80-year-old mother, together with the three children. And the mother was not enthusiastic at all to receive them because she sees that they will become a burden. And so that's why we saw a lot of dysfunction there. And to the extent that the elder son, who should be in standard two, was not even in school because all of them, because of this dysfunction, suffered from kind of slow learning, speech impediment, and all those kind of things. And so upon learning the applied, we immediately helped this family to get welfare aid, which they are completely ignorant about, not knowing that there's such, a, such an aid. And we transported the mother and the son to go to the education ministry and to be able to uh, register for the son to go to a special school, which is nearby. And praise be to God that because of this help, this family found new hope. And this boy, in less than a year, became the top five in the school. My brothers and sisters, this is very true. 
that there is this, what I call, a cycle of poverty that is out there. Let me show you by this graph that I personally have learned. It all starts off with, with this, you know, economic poverty that many people are going through. That as a result of this poverty, it gives birth to illiteracy. The lack of education gives birth to illiteracy. They don't study much. They finish at standard six. Some of them don't even finish primary school. Illiteracy gives birth to ignorance. There is lack of knowledge. They don't even know that there's such a thing called scholarships out there or education out there that, that is available free of charge. And as a result of this, it gives birth to dysfunction that we see many of these dysfunctional homes. Parents, children not talking to one another, abandoned homes, children who become delinquent, children get involved with all kinds of, of things that are banned and all those kind of things. And what happens? It gives birth to hopelessness. And my brothers and sisters, this, this is like a kind of a continuous, vicious cycle of, of poverty that, that goes on, that goes on from one generation to the second generation, third generation. And when we found out, wow, it is like a kind of a, you know, link, a genetic kind of disease from one generation pass on to another. But praise be to God, we realize that we have the light of Jesus that if we are willing to step into that cycle, and if we are willing, like what we did through that medical clinic, step into the cycle of this family that I told you about, the mother with the three children, my friends, that vicious cycle of poverty can be broken in Jesus' name. As Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, my friends. And that is the responsibility. My question is, how many of us would take the time, would be willing to make the effort to join with your church mission perhaps, uh, that we will be willing, as circumstances permit, to step into the community, to be able to walk into that cycle. And you know what? That by doing so, you and I is able to break that vicious cycle. The devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. I pray with all my heart that even as you listen to this message today, that you will become excited. And as I say, what better time is this moment when our whole community, society, city and nations out there is faced with such bleak future. And this is the moment where we can pull our resources together pull our talents together and go out there and let the light of Jesus to shine at such a time like this. I pray that you will participate with whatever pledges, mission pledges or other pledges that your church may be entering into. And together, let us make a difference for our Lord Jesus Christ. And I will close with this quotation. Christian faith it's not about walking into a church. It is about walking out of the church and becoming a blessing to others who are out there. Can I hear an amen to that? Hallelujah. That our faith is not about walking into a church. Everybody can walk into a church. But it is about walking out 
and becoming the light that will shine to the others who are out there. I invite you to close your eyes right now as I pray with you and for you. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. That I would like to take this opportunity to challenge some of you. I would like to First of all, challenge those of you who are older Christians that you have been long enough in the church that I pray that you will not step aside and then allow other new ones to serve and then you become a spectator. I pray that God will help us to reboot our lives to be used of the Lord. For in the kingdom of God, it is to be continually be faithful servants of the Lord. So I challenge those of you who are older Christians, do not be laid back. Come up front and let us serve all over again. I want to challenge those of you who are young adults in the church who are looking for a cause to contribute to. I would like to say, now is the time. Now is the time for you to put your hands into the plough and begin to be involved because I know that many young adults today are looking for something worthy to do. Now is the time for you to join your church. I know that your pastors are having different plans to be able to can become a blessing to the community. Join in and make use of all your talents to serve the Lord. I would like to also encourage those of you who are retirees. Yes, you can enjoy your family, grandchildren, your home. But let me also encourage you. You are also the army of God. God also would like to make use of your experience like many of them, the retirees who serve alongside with us in the community services that we are doing and how valuable are you. I'm going to pray right now that God will activate the gift of compassion. That God will activate the gift of showing mercy among all of you. That even as you raise up your hand right now, I'm going to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I call upon you that even as your people listen to this message, in the name of Jesus, I pray for that gift of showing mercy to be activated right now. Activated right now. That those who have a burden or wanting to care for single mothers, or wanting to care for those who may be going through different types of challenges in their life. Lord, I pray that it will be activated right now. They will come forward to their pastors and say, yes, that I want to avail myself, whether it be your time, or whether it be the financial resources, or the talents. Yes, I pray that Lord, that you will just begin to raise all of your people up, O oh God. And Subang Jaya Assembly will make a difference, O oh God, to Subang Jaya and beyond. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will give them creative ideas to reach out. I pray that you anoint the projects that they are doing. I pray that you will provide for every single need, financial need, as well as manpower that will be needed, O oh God. That, Lord, you will indeed raise us up, like your scripture says, uh, to be the lamb on a hill. Hallelujah. Not hidden under the bushel. 
but rather to be a lamb on the hill that will shine brightly for you, O God. So I pray for your blessing, O God. In the name of Jesus, I also pray that among your people who are faced with different needs, O God, touch them. Those who are faced with financial needs, touch them. Those who are faced with difficulties in their business, in their jobs, touch them. Those who are having physical needs, in the name of Jesus, I call upon you that you will impart your healing touch, O God. Heal those, O God, from the crown of the head to the sole of the feet. Insomnia be healed in Jesus' name. Anxiety be removed in the name of Jesus. Spirit of fear be banished by the power of Jesus' name. And let your perfect peace come upon them, even upon growth in the body. Cancer cells that are there. In Jesus' name, I command that it will be broken by the power of Jesus' name and healing will be imparted even right now as we exercise faith, O God, upon your promise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray for your blessings. In Jesus' wonderful name, I ask and I pray. And everybody say, Amen and Amen. May the Lord bless you. Amen.